Father, we want to thank you that you have washed our sins white as snow. And truly, for all of eternity, we're going to be able to thank you for saving us and giving us a home in heaven. We want to rejoice, Father, that you paid it all. There's nothing else that we can do. When you said it is finished, it is finished. Thank you, Father, for the sacrifice of your Son upon the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you uh, got to see A.D. last Sunday night? Can I see your hands? Just a few of you. Um, I want to encourage you to watch it. It's a, I think it's a 12-part series. It's on 9 o'clock tonight and the next 10 Sundays uh, on NBC. It uh, is, as I have seen and watched it, I have sensed that it is a more conservative presentation of what Jesus Christ has done and then how it changed the world. There were some apologetic uh, innuendos in it to help people understand uh, the uh, stupidity of people who dismiss the resurrection. And so I just want to encourage you. Now, it being Hollywood, they're not going to get everything spot on. However, there are many things that they got very, very accurate. And so I thank the Lord for a a, a valiant attempt. And it's hard to imagine that something like this is on national television. And we need to pray for folks that see it, that maybe they will come to know Jesus Christ. Last Sunday night, they had these children on there, and they quoted John 3.16. That was one of the commercials. And it was so well done. It was very, very powerful because God's Word is powerful. Amen to that? So any aspect of which we can have a glimmer of light today is a refreshment. And I found it refreshing watching it and all. And so I want to encourage you. To, uh, to watch it and to encourage people to watch it because I think they're going to see something that has brought uh, 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 well, what David Jeremiah calls a revolution and that is the mindset and the thinking that has brought on Christianity to which we get to enjoy today. Amen to that? Amen. I'm glad to be back. I feels like I have been gone for eternity though I only missed one Sunday. 
though it was Easter. It's the first Easter I've missed in 36 years. And I heard that it was an okay program around here. And I wished I was here. I, I always hate to miss that. I know our choir does such a good job. And I've just enjoyed being back this morning. I mean, just the music, isn't it? It's refreshing to come to church. And I thank the Lord for it. Well, I'm going to continue on in my series in the glory of the Lord. And so if you didn't bring that handout, which we gave you at the first of the year, if you can imagine, or thereabouts, uh, hold on to that. And if you don't have it, we've got some to pass out. Just raise your hand if you need one of those. For whatever reason, God has allowed us to spend a little bit more time in this than usual. And I think it is because it is so important for us to understand that everything we do is to be about God's glory. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Have we got that? I mean, does it consume our thinking process? Do we live our lives wondering how I just responded to that person? How I just did that, is that really bringing glory to the Lord? Or am I all about myself? And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's hard for us to get over ourselves, isn't it? We need to understand that this is one of the greatest things that destroys the glory of the Lord. And we'll get into this next week possibly. But we've talked about it. It is reflecting God. Being like God. Being like God. We had a, an interesting uh, conversation around the dinner table on Friday night. And there are so many things that just is so fickle about evolution and about how our society is trying to do away with God. You know, we were created in His image. That's what makes us different than animals. We have a moral conscience. And even though a person is born in sin and is a sinner, they have a moral conscience. They have an awareness that there is a God. Isn't that right? You go over all over the world and you find people worshiping God in their own imagination because that awareness of God has been brought out through their sinfulness and they make God of their own imaginations. Which people here in America have done the same thing when they create the God of, well, I don't think God's like that. Well, what's the basis of your opinion? We have thus saith the Lord in the word of God. God says in Ecclesiastes that he has put eternity in man's heart. It is important for us to understand that someday we are going to die and we are going to face eternity. And we have been created in His image, and therefore we have a desire to discover at least some aspect of who God is. And we as born-again believers have the privilege to know Him intimately. Man, praise the Lord for that. And then He has left us here on this world to reflect Him to this world, so that as John 1 says, He came into this world to bring light, to light man's heart. Now they become the light in this world. And this world needs to see the light. Now we can continue talking about how dark things are, but we need to make sure that our light is permeating that, uh, that world so that people see Jesus Christ in our lives. And so that's why we're taking this time. And we've talked about it in various aspects as creation shows the glory of God. And, and, and I just think uh, when they talk about fairy tables from a, a single cell uh, or from a rock which explodes and it creates life, which is against the law of vitalism, and it uh, generates in, and evolves, which is against the second law of thermodynamics and all these things. And so from this... Uh, 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 amoeba, uh, unisex amoeba becomes bisexual aspects of things and we develop into who we are, thinking, creating and moral beings versus the animal society that does not have the same capabilities of, of communication, of art, of, of structure, of electronics. Of, can you imagine the mind that a man has that God has given to them to be able to have what we have and enjoy today? Oh, my. And then we see it displayed in Christ and in the church. 
You know, we want people to see Jesus Christ when they come into church. Amen to that? I hope you felt the Lord as you came in today. We want His presence to be known. We want to reflect Him. And then, as we've been talking about our lives and how we respond in our attitudes, in our attire, in our ambitions, in our attendance, in our appetites, in our attention, in our abilities, in our appreciation. And Psalm 100 is where we were uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, some of you were here. And this series is on our internet site. You can watch it if you'd like. Uh, continue uh, with these thoughts. But Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. I don't know about you, but I missed singing last week. I missed it. I missed playing my trombone. I, I missed it. My wife's not here today. She she didn't get what I had, all right? I just want you to understand that. She caught it from her piano students. Is that okay? All right. But she's not down here today, and I miss her being here. And believe it or not, I missed you folks. You know... We have something that's real. It's genuine. And we get to come and we get to sing. And we get to glorify the Lord. And I'm telling you what, our hearts ought to be overflowing with thanksgiving. And this world needs to see praising and thankful, thankful Christians. Amen. Rather than looking like we've been sucking on lemons all of our lives. You know that it is socially uh, very esteemed to be critical and negative. It's almost as if the world wants to have one up on somebody else. And so they tear down and destroy. Do you know how horrible that is God wants us to build up God wants us to encourage God wants us to be joyful God wants us to be thankful when I go to school when I go to work man I got to go to this stinking job well you know God can change that couldn't he so much to be thankful for know ye that the Lord he is God it's he that hath made us not are we ourselves we are his people the sheep of his pasture Praise the Lord for that. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. I am overwhelmed by God's mercy. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. How? Richly, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean, we, we ought to not to be focusing on our poverty. Did you notice the song that uh, Ernie picked the hymn story of today? The rock that is higher than I. What had happened in that downturn of the economy, and, and people, by the way, are looking at their economy today, and they base a lot of their joy or excitement on the economy rather than on the Word of God. And the author decided, he says, listen, let's turn our eyes and our attention unto the rock of Jesus Christ. Let it dwell in us richly. I want to ask you do, you, do you feel this morning that there's a richness in your soul? Or is there, is there, there, is there something that is it, just missing? Is there, is there an excitement that's building and saying, boy, there's something about life that, boy, is worth living for and it's, it's worth, worth dying for and that's Jesus Christ. And, boy, I have a reason to get up today and I, I have a focus and I have a purpose. He says, teaching and admonishing then. 
And the word admonish is, is the word for uh, warning one another in Psalms. And we talked about this uh, three weeks ago, how that there were Gregorian chants and how that music has changed over the years and how that uh, uh, the church had these different mindsets of what should be in music and what shouldn't be in music. But these Psalms could have been, instead of sung, they could have been chanted or they could have been then quoted And that there was truth that was given to people. And everything that we sing or everything that we do, there should be truth in it. And hymns and spiritual songs. Then he says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love that, don't you? I mean, I love to sing with grace. And there needs to be that, 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 that attitude as we deal with this Thanksgiving. And what should we do in word or deed? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is that a suggestion or is that a command? It's a command. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If I can't do it in his name, I shouldn't be doing it. Giving thanks to God the Father by him. Now I want you to turn. Whoops, let's let's read this one first. Titus 3, 5 and 7. The reason why we have so much that we can be thankful for is that God's mercy has saved us. And if you've been born again, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's a good thing to be praising God for, isn't it? Now, by works, not by works of righteousness, you can't save yourself. That's what it's saying there. You can't do it, uh, uh, which we have done. It's not about going to church. I mean, you all know this, right? I mean, uh, sometimes we hear, but I mean, there might be some folks here that aren't certain of where they're going to spend eternity. Maybe they're not even certain how to get to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. There's a holy God there. And for you to stand before him and say, I deserve to be here. I'm going to tell you, he's going to say, you don't deserve to be here. That's why I sent my son to die on the cross so that you could come to him and have your sins forgiven. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Can you imagine the arrogance of standing before a holy God and saying, I'm good enough to get there? That's the insult of his plan. And yet so many people are claiming this is their way to heaven. He says, but according to his what? Mercy. Mercy. When you think of mercy, that would be, do you deserve it or don't deserve it? Don't deserve it. By his mercy, he saved us. By the what? Washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's the Being born again. That's coming to Christ and letting God take away all of your sins. Being washed away and then being renewed. God coming inside of you and living in you. A new creation created unto glory. Uh, We uh, in our Sunday school this morning uh, read again Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Created in Christ Jesus a new creation unto good works. God regenerates us. He makes us anew. Praise the Lord. Have you had that happen to you? Verse 6 and 7 says, Which... He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I have a... The word hope is a confident expectation. I know I am going to heaven. I am an heir with Jesus Christ. How many of you are heirs with Jesus? Amen. That's a good family to be a part of, isn't it? God loves us. I want you to turn, if you would, to 2 Peter. Some of you have read this and maybe just mark this down. When we talk about being thankful and reflecting this in our attitude, in our responses and things like this, what God has done for us. Now, when I got saved, I didn't know all this. In fact, today I probably don't totally understand it all. 
I can't examine the Scriptures enough and discover all the intents and all the things that God has for us. But here in Second Peter is a wonderful truth of what God has done for us who have been born again, who have been saved. In verse uh, 3 of chapter 1, According as His divine power hath given unto us, what? All things. Do you know that today there is a thought that the Bible is not relevant for our society today? That it doesn't contain the answers to life. Can I tell you how stupid that is? The Bible contains all things, everything you need to have a good marriage, to have a good family, to have the right walk in your life, to have the right talk in your life, everything. And he says, according as his divine power, dunamis, hath given. The word hath given there is in the perfect tense, which means there is a point of action in your life with continued results. This is the tense of salvation. There comes a point in your life when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and it has continuing, ongoing, non-ending results. And that's what he says. He hath given to us. What has God given to us? Man, I'm going to heaven. And when I got saved, that was good enough. But when I read 2 Peter chapter 1 here, I begin to realize what He has given to me. And if you have been born again, He has given it all to you as well. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life. And godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. Yes, He has called us to eternal life, but He has called us to a new life. And in this new life, it's to bring Him glory. And it's a virtuous life. We're not to be conducting ourselves like the world. We're not supposed to be getting our ethics from uh, dear Abby. Or Dr. Phil. And sometimes they have some interesting things to say. We get our instructions from here. But also, do you know that when you got regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit, God puts in you a new virtue and a new ethics. And he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these we might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Do you have the divine nature? I'm going to tell you something. I began to recognize the divine nature. Because when I started using four-letter words after I got saved, it didn't sound quite the same. I couldn't go into the uh, grocery store and just pick up a candy bar and stick it in my pocket anymore. Things began to bother me because the divine nature. You see, and this is what he has given to us, precious promises. Oh, and and this wasn't something that I had to, to learn or to generate. It was something that was given to me. He hath given it to us. That might be partakers of this divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. No longer is sin our master. And besides this, and, and this is interesting, I, I find this fascinating, giving all diligence now. He says, I've, I've put into you this incredible new life. He says, now what I want you to do is I want you to be diligent. How many know what the word diligent means? What's that? Determined. Oh, I'm sorry, Doris. (laughs) It is not a casual. Well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't. You ever ask yourself, what kind of a Christian do you want to be? 
On a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of Christian do you want to be? What kind of Christian do I want to be? What kind of pastor do I want to be? What kind of choir member do I want to be? What kind of Sunday school or Bible teacher do I want to be? What kind of director of hospitality do I want to be? On a scale of 1 to 10. 20. Amen. We can always top that too. I want to be 100. Oh, 500. Oh, 1,000. Uh, a zillion times a zillion. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I... I don't we want, and that's what this idea of diligence is. Sometimes we don't feel like diligence though, right? And do and you know our character is being eroded today so that people just kind of float on in life. We've got to come back to gaining ownership of our Christian life and not let this world take the ownership away from us. And so, when we ask ourselves, if I'm supposed to be giving diligence, what in my life is actually doing that? How am I demonstrating to a holy God in heaven who sees my heart that I am giving diligence to add? And it's interesting here, as he goes on, he sees his, besides this, I mean, besides this incredible divine nature, he says, give all diligence. He says, add. The word there, add, is kind of like what we would use in, in gasoline or, uh, you know, when they have an additive. To give it that extra boost or a supplement. How many of you take supplements? You know, we hope that they help us in our health, vitamin C or uh, omega-3 or whatever the things would be. He says, bring these supplements in your lives. And the reason why we have additives or the reason why we have supplements is to boost up that which has been given to us. And God is saying, listen, I can tell you how to boost this spiritual nature inside of you. He says, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, Temperance, which is self-control. Should I stop there and preach on what is self-control? Or should I wait until we have dessert today? <laughs> I, uh, you know, some of these things can, can be... Patience! I better not camp on that one, should I? The word patience actually is Endurance. Endurance. Now, if, if, you're, if it's saying endurance, what, you know, that means that there's a race that we're running or there's something that we're doing that's not necessarily just going to be an easy task, but there's going to be an endurance to it. Persistence. Persistence. Staying with it. Don't give up. We went to Millie uh, Allen's um, 95th birthday. And you know, as people get older, the, the things that they did in their lives sometimes is diminished in our thinkings because maybe we weren't around when they were teaching Sunday school or involved in ministry of some sorts and everything. But as I was sitting there and we were talking to Millie and, you know, sometimes people will wonder, you know, why are they living so long? Kind of the mindset today is euthanasia again. But I was sitting there, I says, you know, Millie... You are a godly testimony of faithfulness. Because you want to still be in church at 95 years of age. It takes her over an hour, maybe even two hours, just to get ready for church. You know, we can't just throw off our seniors because we think they're, they're, uh, they've lost their usefulness. Here are people and examples of endurance. Staying with it. That's why we honor those who have been married for over 50 years because the average marriage today doesn't last 50 years. How many of you have been married for over 50 years? Can I see your hand? Look around. Praise God. Yeah, you say, Pastor, that was endurance. <laughs> and sometimes it is. But we're in a throwaway society today. And 
May God help us with that. He says this endurance and, and to, to this, this endurance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness. And that comes from the word Philadelphia. And to brotherly kindness, what? Love. For if these things be in you. Now catch this. If these things be in you. Okay. Now we know there's two aspects here. All right. Now we got to catch this. There's the one aspect of the divine nature. That is what gets you saved. Right. Jesus Christ. But then in these supplements and these things now being added to your life, notice what he says. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful. And I like that. You're not going to be barren or unfruitful. Can a born again believer be unfruitful? Yeah. What a waste of a new nature, though, wouldn't you agree? He says, if these things be in you and they abound, and that word abound is not just that my cup is full, it's the idea of my cup overflowing. I'm bringing in, I'm being diligent to bring these things into my life. And he says, you're going to have a fruitful life. You're not going to look like that dried stick out there. Now, you can ask yourself, and I can ask myself, Do I feel like the dried stick or do I feel like a fruitful vine? You know, the Bible says in John chapter 15, if ye abide in me and my word abide in you, he talks about the abundance of fruit there in John 15. It's a great passage. He says, but he that lacketh these things, he's talking about these supplements. He says, he that lacketh these things is blind he cannot see afar off. Now, what, is, what does that sound like to you and to me? If you, if you can't see afar off. Short-sighted. Looking at self. You are not seeing what? You're not seeing eternity. You're not seeing eternity. And we can get so short-sighted here that we see what life is happening around us that we miss what is really the value of life and we can be pursuing those things that have little value. Blind. He's not saying you're not saved, right? He's not saying you're not saved. We, 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 We need to go home and get our supplements. If I want to be a a number 10 Christian, I want to be fruitful, there's going to have to be a diligence out there. Works doesn't save us. We understand that, right? But after I got saved is when the works began. The growing up, the maturing, the learning, the school of sometimes hard knocks. The journey of the Christian life that is filled with the knowledge and the pursuits. And some people don't put the efforts into it. But he says, you're, you're lacking. You're, 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 you, you don't see eternity. And if we were really honest with ourselves, are we living in view of eternity? Sometimes, sometimes not. Cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You see, this man saved. You see that? He he saved, but he has forgotten. When I I washed uh, A.D. last Sunday night, when they nailed my Savior to the cross, and they, they did a pretty... Gruesome job at it. In fact, Janie says, I can't watch it. And if you've seen The Passion of Christ, you know the scenes in there that are very graphic. And sometimes it might be hard for our children to watch it. But there is a reality that Jesus died on that cross for my sins. 
How can I forget it? How can I forget what God has done for me and live for myself? We do, though, don't we? We get distracted. We get caught up. And sometimes what I find in my own life is that that it's a gradual descent. You know, you've heard about the frog that was boiled in water. They put the frog in the pot. And the frog was in the pot. And as it just kind of hung there, they turned up the heat just ever so slightly. And as that heat kept growing up and everything, that frog didn't realize the danger that he was in because he became accustomed to his surroundings. And I'm... I dare say that we're losing sight of genuine Christianity today because of the way this world is going. And you know what? It's up to us to be this light in this world. It's up to us to hear what we're hearing today and say, you know what? It's not just a message. This is about my life. This is about my neighbors. This is about my God's glory. I need to go out there and I need to be diligent. I can't forget what God has done for me. He says in verse 10, he says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, do what? Give diligence. Have we seen that word before? You know, when he puts a word in there twice, you know, you ought to pay attention. I ought to pay attention. He says, give diligence. Now, it's interesting. As he, as he, now takes a little twist here. And I want you to catch it. Because what's the difference between a backslidden Christian and a churchgoer? Not much. Right? Not much. And he's saying here now, he is, he is talking about this divine nature and he's talking about these supplements add to your life so that fruit is developed and there's growth and there's, there's, there's just this, this excitement in our lives. And he says now, give diligence to make your calling and election what? Sure. You see, there are folks in church and in every church where they have a religiosity and they have been a part of a crowd, but they've never been a child of the King. And you can grow up all of your life And we see this in church time and time again where people become a part of the crowd and they begin to act like the crowd and depending on how good this crowd is, we're all a part of this this family here in church. But we're not necessarily a part of His family. And so He's saying, you need to make sure. Let me ask you something. Is it important for you to be 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Is this something worth messing around with? And Peter is saying, you need to be sure. There needs to be that divine nature. There needs to be life inside that's going to respond. It's not dead. It's alive. And I have to begin to ask myself, how can I begin to slide down into the lukewarmness of my Christianity? And what ought to be is that when you slid down in that lukewarmness of Christianity, God says, listen, my child, you're not where you ought to be. Because my sheep hear my voice. And you say, I want to get out of this. That, uh, I, I, when I was in school, uh, I brought a student in to a psychologist, the man who actually led me to the Lord, or not didn't lead me to the Lord, but ran the camp that I was, uh, was a part of. And he, he talked about how, what is the difference? I wish, I wish I'd put it up here. Maybe next week I could. Uh, uh, what is the difference between the saved person and the lost person? 
And he, and he has, has this chart. If you can, can you all kind of use your sanctified imagination now? This chart is going along and people, you know, people go up and down in their lives, right? But then you come to know Jesus. Are there still ups and downs in your lives? Yes. But what happens when you meet Jesus, there's a, there's a, there's a desire to climb. There's a desire to grow. But guess what he left with you? Your flesh. And so it's pulled down. But because you are born again, where do you want to get? Back up. A just man falls, but he wants to get back up. But he gets back up. And so you're going along and you're going along and you're going, and then something else comes in your life and you fall down. And maybe you go through a period of time and I don't know, it could be years, it could be days, it could be whatever. And there's this, this going on in life and maybe, but all of a sudden you say, man, I need to get back with the Lord. That's the evidence of being born again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? A lost person. He comes along, he doesn't know Jesus. He's living for himself. He might be going to church, but he might be serving God in his own selfish desires for how he can gain more entrance into heaven and maybe a greater standing and things like that. And so he, he does good things. And, and, and here's this Christian up here. And he does bad things. You see what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes the unsaved look better than the Christians do. The difference is this person is pulled back down. Because of his nature to live for himself. And he's pulled back down. Oh yeah, there's, there's times of, of spiritual highs or religiosities and things like that. But he's pulled back down. Because he's got the old nature. You need to ask yourself, and, and Peter is saying here, he says, give diligence. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Have you been born again? For if ye do these things, ye shall what? Never fail. I like that idea, never fail, don't you? Say, man, I don't want to be a failure. Well, he just gives you a a good remedy here. For so an entrance, and now he's not just talking about being saved. He says, but now an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. You don't just have eternal life. You have an abundant life, a fruitful life, a, a life that is, that is uh, yes, it's everlasting. Uh, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Peter's saying, I want you to know this. Though ye know them, be established in this present truth. Yes, I think it meet as long as I am in this body, this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that surely I must put off this body, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. My friends, the preserved Word of God now gives us what Peter wrote under inspiration so that we would remember these things today. Is this important? Absolutely. Father, I pray that as we've gotten into this portion of Scriptures, that we would ask ourselves, are we living the abundant life, a fruitful life, or is it a life that's just going on? And we need to be honest with ourselves and I need to be honest with myself because there's the tendency to get into a pot that the water's being warmed gradually and we lose our, our own zeal for the Lord. So Lord, I pray that you'll help right now as, as we focus upon you that you'll separate out those in their minds and their hearts whether salvation is real in their soul. For Lord, we don't want anybody 
to die and spend eternity in hell. And right now, we need to make sure this is not just, well, my grandmother told me I was saved and I've always been in a Baptist church or I've always gone to church. But it is a matter of examining whether there's real life inside. And you said to be diligent about this. So now, Lord, I pray that you will take what you've intended today to speak to our hearts. It's going to be wonderful as we grow to love each other here, as we're part of a family here at this church, for all of us to be in heaven because of Jesus Christ and to have a reunion and to meet loved ones that we know. But, Lord, how tragic it is and how tragic it will be if there are folks sitting right here who will miss heaven because they won't be diligent about examining their hearts to find whether they really have salvation or not. So right now, first of all, will you be diligent and examine your heart? Is Jesus Christ real in your soul? And then secondly, secondly, have you answered that? And if you, if this morning you're not certain of it, why don't you just deal with that? You can say, oh God, thank you for helping me. You're speaking to my heart. It's not just a game here. And this is what's so difficult here is because Christians can play a game of Christianity, but the lost people can play a game of Christianity. And there's a real struggle here. And right now you can know that you know because He's given you a new nature. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Then be honest with yourself, with your soul. If you're not sure, why not either right now deal with it or say, Pastor, I'd like to visit with you sometime this week or maybe right after the service today. I want... I don't want to go out those doors not being certain of my eternal destiny. So why don't you deal with it right now? Make a decision. I'm going to deal with it. I'll meet with you in this invitation time or after this invitation time or I can come to your house or somebody can visit with you. Why not today? Would you like that? Would you like it? How about you? You can know without a shadow of a doubt. So, Father, as you're working on people's hearts, I pray for this invitation. We're going to sing just as I am and waiting not. Just as I am and waiting not. Why don't you come to Jesus? You know, if God is speaking to your heart right now, that is a divine act. If this morning you've gotten the assurance of your salvation, praise God. The Bible says His Spirit bears witness in our spirit that we are His. And so I, I, with your heads about, you should be saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have a witness in my soul that I belong to God. Amen to that. That's why I can be thankful. That's why I can be joyous. That's why I can be praising. Because there's a witness in my soul. But if it's not there, then my friends, you need to make sure of it. And we're going to sing just as I am. Before we sing, though, as Diane just plays a little bit, there's one other question I want to ask. I want to ask you, my friends, how's your supplements How's the supplements in your life? Maybe you didn't realize how important they are. <laughs> Maybe God's speaking to your heart about that. Then why don't we just deal with it? I wish I dealt every time God spoke to my heart in honesty and truth. This invitation is a time to examine and respond. Let's stand together. Most of us know this, this, these words just as I am. If this morning God has spoke to your heart, I want you to respond. Just as I am and wait with
so glad that 45 years ago I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. How about you? Does God's Spirit bear witness that you belong to Him? If you're not certain of that, please visit with me before you leave today and maybe set up an appointment this week or call on the phone and say, hey, can someone come over and visit with me? Eternal destiny is worth it. Amen. To give diligence. Peter says, long time I'm gone. You remember what I just said? This is important. Praise God for it. Well, work on your supplements. Come back tonight. We're going to have a uh, memorial service for Judy Skinner. And uh, so is there anything else I need to say about that, uh, Carolyn? I guess people are supposed to bring sandwiches. Is that correct? Everybody knows that everything's taken care of. Come back tonight. We're going to have a different Sunday night services. And we do this in times when a pastor's wife has passed or... Things have been going on and things like that. And so we've had three memorials here of within a month, I think. And they've all been very unique. And God has allowed us to have this time together. I encourage you to come back tonight. And then this week, as we see in the bulletin, there's work days. And next Saturday, there's a big work day from 9 to 3 and lunch out there and things like that. So just read over the bulletin and, and greet folks. And we've got some good Sunday school classes and I trust that God will continue to work on your life. And if there's anything else you need to do before you leave, make sure we do it. Maybe you can get, you know, you don't always have to talk to a pastor either. He doesn't have the keys of heaven. You can talk to that person next to you and say, hey, listen, why don't you just help me with this? Would you pray with me? Or maybe we've got some concerns in our lives. Lord, you help me. And this person next to me, maybe a person could be of help. I hope so. God bless you. You are dismissed.